0: So even as leaders, I know I was not ever fully formed as a leader. When I was first invited into different leadership roles, they weren't like, oh, Jen knows everything already. We're just gonna pop her right in. But it was <laughs> it was potential. Like whoever invited me in saw potential that they could cultivate, that they wanted to pour into me in one form or another to grow the rough makings of someone who could be a good leader. And I'm still on this leadership journey, like we all are. This is the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive
1: in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking with Jen Weaver about the importance of not going it alone in leadership, but instead finding a supportive community to encourage you and grow your leadership. Jen Weaver is a ministry coach investing in your personal and organizational leadership growth to help you develop healthy culture and thriving teams in the ministry you love. She's also the founder of Collective Good, an online community for Christian entrepreneurs, ministry leaders, and communicators. She's the host of Good God Talks podcast, author of A Wife's Secret to Happiness, and serves as a Bible teacher and conference speaker. Jen holds certifications as cross-cultural trainer through International House London, a DISC method trainer and John Maxwell speaker, trainer, coach. Married to her best friend, Jared, she's a happy boy mom of two growing sons. Welcome to the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, Jen. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Bethany. It's a joy to be here. Van. well, I I have to tell you something. I really wanna admit, whenever I first met you, I felt an immediate connection. I was like, wow, I wanna learn from this lady. And I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) That -hmm. is literally the thought that went through my head. So I am so excited to share you with all of our listeners because you not only have just a servant heart and obedient heart to Christ, but man, you have a passion for connecting leaders and you do focus a lot on leadership and you have the authority behind it with all those certifications. So I don't know if you can tell from my huge smile, but I'm so happy.
0: I'm (laughs) excited. I felt that connection with you as well. So I think this is gonna be a great conversation.
1: Man, you know, if I think about, everything that you do, just as I've been getting to know you, I have to use an analogy. I think you're like the hub of a bicycle wheel. You are so good at looking at someone over there and looking at someone over there the opposite side and saying, Hey, let's connect. And you're connecting leaders to each other. So how in the world did that connection or wanting to connect people become such a passion for you?
0: I love that analogy. I'm going to have to sit with that more because I I think it's a beautiful picture. I really do love connecting people. Um, I think some of that came fairly innately for me. Strengths Finder through Gallup, they did um, a whole Strengths Finder assessment some years ago where you you identify your top themes. And so you can play to your strengths uh, rather than always trying to focus on weaknesses and improve them. And uh, my top theme is connectedness. So I think that helps me a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I see that the world is connected. Yes, I'm definitely built that way. And I see how we as people get to be connected as well. I also have a lot of experience going it alone, which is not always fun. It's often way more difficult than things need to be. It can feel really lonely and isolating, even in teams when there's a a spirit of competition instead of collaboration. And so I like to work against that because I've experienced the benefit and the beauty of what it means to be a leader who doesn't have to do things all by yourself.
1: Man. And, you know, you have such a natural heart and gift and talent for it that you even started something called The Collective Good. Can you explain to us what that is and why you kind of started that whole online community?
0: Yes. So when we walk into new leadership roles, there's the main thing that we want to do. There's the main uh, need that we're meeting, the mission that we're stewarding, the community we want to help come alongside, whatever that looks like. If that's physical products or services or teaching materials, whatever those things could be like. And then there's all of the secondary things that come along with stewarding that call. So I'm a leader who's launching my business, or I'm a leader who's stepping into ministry or going to become a communicator. And now to do that thing, we need to figure out Websites and email marketing and social media and graphic creation and SEO and accounting and how to price things. Like there's so many areas that come along with doing the main thing we feel called to do. And sometimes we can get bogged down in all of those secondary needs and it skews our focus. It can steal energy and uh, rob momentum from going as quickly and with as much excitement and enthusiasm and empowerment to do the main thing. Uh, And so that's where Collective Good comes in. So it's a community where leaders can come alongside each other and have that peer-to-peer support, learn from what one another has done, and also have people in the community whose main thing is the secondary type thing that we need. And so you can ask questions. You can hire someone who's offering specials, um, special offerings and discounts because you're a member of this community that wants to be supportive and hospitable to one another.
1: And that is so needed. Even in my own ad- adventure, you know, people in the podcast heard me say, came from education. I don't know a thing about business, you know, starting a podcast, what? <laughs> and having people to pour into you because it may be their main thing of, hey, how do you start a podcast? Hey, how do you show up on social media? Because a- as an educator, I just stay off social media. Ugh. And so I'm having to learn that skill set. So I think it's so important what you've done is saying, hey, your job is to focus on the main thing, all the secondary stuff, which does help you get your message out, understand the importance of it, can be serviced through someone else who that is their main thing. That's the way they're serving the community. I love that so much. I do have a quick question. You know, you, especially what I read in the bio and just knowing you, you know, a lot of people that come together, the leaders that you connect, you call them ministry leaders. But I think I and some, you know, a lot of our listeners, um, um, Whenever we think of that word, we think of, well, you're connected to a church or a nonprofit, and that's not really the truth. Can you help expand our minds on what you mean by doing our main thing, the message, the ministry? Can you help us explore that a little more? Yes. So
0: I think in many different areas, we are always looking for opportunities to disqualify ourselves. And we can even do that in a real simple example when we're making a purchase online. If I'm going to go buy something on Amazon, I'm looking for reasons to disqualify why that purchase is an applicable purchase for me, whether it's not going to fit me right, it's not going to be colors that I like, um, it's too complicated for me to figure out how to use, it's too simple for where I'm at and whatever thing I'm doing. And so we're always qualifying or disqualifying a decision that we're going to make. And in a greater sense, and in a lot of ways, a more significant sense, I think a lot of us disqualify ourselves as leaders and we find all sorts of reasons or believe all sorts of reasons why that has to be true. Well, I'm not really a leader um, because I'm not the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a ministry leader because um, I'm only volunteering in this capacity. I'm not really a leader because um, my area of leadership is in my home or well, I'm, I'm a shift leader or I'm a team leader, but that doesn't really mean that I'm a leader. I'd have to be a VP level to be a leader, or I'd have to be the one overseeing the school to be qualified as, as leadership here. And so when I'm talking about ministry leadership, I'm talking about you see what you do through the lens of caring for people. You see what you do as an expression of your faith. And I believe everything, if if you're a Christian, then everything we do gets to be an expression of our faith. And so it doesn't matter what your official title is. It doesn't matter how many people you're caring for. It could be like you managing your desk and interacting with customers that are coming in. Well, You can lead in that capacity by how you show up, by how you steward yourself, by how you care for the people that you interact with. And so I think there's a lot of ways we'll disqualify things when really we're all called to be part of God's ministry to the world. And so we get to lead in those areas as he calls and equips us to. And I love, I love everything you said. And it makes
1: me think of two points that I know I've struggled with. You said, we automatically kind of start with that whole negative discounting. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. You know, we think of all the reasons that we aren't something And that is something we got to really pray into and fight because you are made in your position or in your leadership or whatever for such a time as this, wherever you are, it is an opportunity to serve. And the devil loves to distract and discount constantly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we follow that storyline. And so how do we fight against that? We pray against it. Whenever I got my first promotion in leadership, it was a skip level promotion and talking about some major imposter syndrome. Whoa, who am I? What do I know? And, you know. I discounted myself a lot in, in that. And it was a disservice to those that I served because I didn't go to God and say, Hey, you've put me here for such a time as this. How do I do that? So thank you for pointing that out guys. We got to pray against that. And then the second thing, you know, you're, you're talking about life. What you're doing is a ministry. A ministry is how you come across to people. And I'm not saying, you know, you go out and you proselytize and you beat them over the head with a Bible or with some you know Bible brass knuckles or whatever, but man, how you treat people that mm-hmm. says a lot about your faith. Are you kind? Are you loving? Are you forgiving? Are you service focused? And so thank you for that clarification, because I think sometimes going with your first point, we discount. As soon as we hear ministry, we're like, eh, that's not me. I'm not a ministry leader. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Are you not leading in your home, in your job? It doesn't matter what you have. And you gave great examples. So thank you for clarifying that.
0: <laughs> yeah, happy to. I, yeah. I think even with that, there's this space to ask God to to show us what that would look like for us in the season that we're in. Mm-hmm. Because the tangible support that someone needs when they're needing to create a website is different than the support someone is going to need when it's, I'm just trying to be a good neighbor yeah. or I want to be, I want to be a good example to my family. Like those the, the secondary things we're talking about in collective good might not apply there, but the need for community, the need for leadership and for God's ministry to us so that we can then share that ministry with other people is always needed.
1: I love that. And you know, what makes me think of Ecclesiastes where it talks about, you know, time and season for everything under heaven. I have felt seasons where I was called to step up and step out and speak, but I've also had seasons where I was kind of drawn to sit down and listen and learn and You know, I think in leadership, a lot of times I can take over, I can take over things and I've got to be very, very discerning with that of God. Is this something you want me to step into or something you want me to sit down and instead receive or serve quietly behind the Mm -hmm. scenes? And so I think that's really important discernment too. thank you for sharing all that. But I want to get back to the heart of leaders. If I had to put a label on us, I would say they're go-getters, very self-sufficient, you know, great at managing and accomplishing tasks. And oftentimes that can build up. And I hate to put this label on it, but it is kind of true. We can build up some pride and some arrogance in that we can do it ourselves or we can figure it out. If I just do this, then I can whatever that is. And so often we'll go it alone. And it may be for a different reason. Maybe it's because, you know, the imposter syndrome... I'm supposed to know what to do. I'm the leader. <laughs> I can't, I can't yeah. confess that I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, as, as high functioning professionals, we do go it alone when it comes to our work. And I just want to know
0: what can we do to come out of that self-sufficiency? So I think for me, I can, I can really relate to that. And one of the difference makers early on, so I, Um, I was a co-owner in a small business and we sold it and I went to work in a corporate role and I was really good at getting things done at a high level of quality and quickly. And I had this realization one morning that I thought it was um, an annoying obstacle, a hindrance to need to work with other people. I was like, oh, it would just be so much easier. It would just be so much faster if I could do this thing by myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I forget who says it, but there's a quote that like, if you want to go fast, do it yourself. If you want to go far, do it with other people. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I know it's I'm quoting somebody. I don't remember who, but I am quoting somebody. <laughs> um, and the realization for me was that I didn't, I didn't know how to love people well enough to enjoy working with them because mm. I saw, I saw them as a hindrance to the thing I was trying to accomplish and so I needed God to work on my heart. I needed for him to help me grow in my love for people. And also I needed him to grow my heart in expanding my field of vision, because no matter what role we're in, even if you're a solopreneur, who's working on your own and leading your own business, and you're doing all of the things You want to expand to a place where you're able to involve other people. Maybe right now that's even just clients, Mm -hmm. but at some point you're going to want to build a team that can come alongside you. And the vision needs to be greater than just the product, than just the execution of something. And so even just that simple awareness for me started the mindset shift that I needed to realize I didn't want everything to be dependent on me. I wanted to be someone who empowered and equipped other people. I wanted to be someone who could function as a team because I needed thoughts and perspectives and um, vantage points that were different than my own.
1: That's so good. And, you know, may God turn our hearts to want that. And I love what you started off with is loving people and enjoying them, you know, because it is so true. If, if, you know, everybody just moved, I think Dave Ramsey says this, um, the work is easy till people get involved (laughs) and yeah, it becomes so muddled with lots of things, but man, there's so much joy that can come whenever your heart turns towards loving those that, That are with you in that moment. Who's in the room? How can you love on them and serve on them and see them from a different light? And it's so important, guys, to not go it alone. Like you said, what did you say that you needed bigger vision?
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And and oftentimes, you can gain that from other people as well. So, how do we? It doesn't matter the industry we're in. How do we go find community? Like, is this like online dating? Do I just go and look (laughs) for like some social media groups and come up with a profile,
0: swipe left, swipe right, like? How do we right? find community? I I think it's hard, honestly. I, I want to validate that for anyone who's listening and is like, I've tried finding community. I've tried building community. It hasn't always worked. Um, I, So I'm not a gardener. So I'm I'm speaking about terminology here. I'm only minorly familiar with, Um, but there are perennial and annual plants. So there are some plants that live for their season. They're fruitful and then they die. They're not going to come back the next season. And then there are some plants that are going to come back year after year after year. And we all have relationships that are like that, like Aside from work community, leadership community, we all have relationships where they have run their course in a season and we can be grateful for that. And we have some where we're like, man, we can pick up right where we left off. This is a relationship that's going to be with me my whole lifelong. And sometimes leadership communities, mentorship type relationships, those type of interactions, those also will have different seasons for them. And so part of it I found is knowing your season and then part of it is knowing what you can invest in to build the community that you want. So even as leaders, I know I was not ever fully formed as a leader. When I was first invited into different leadership roles, they weren't like, oh, Jen knows everything already. We're just going to pop her right in. But it was <laughs> it was potential. Like whoever invited me in saw potential that they could cultivate, that they wanted to pour into me in one form or another to grow the rough makings of someone who could be a good leader. And I'm still on this leadership journey, like we all are. And so it's a similar thing of, okay, well, what kind of community community would I want to be part of? And how can I invest in that? How can I foster that within myself? How can I identify people that I think could be safe spaces for me to have some introductory level conversations with and learn together with? And then investing in that to help it grow organically. Um, Very few people will happen upon a thriving community that just, you you jump in, you click, everything works. It's the easiest thing ever. Most of the time, even in existing pockets of community, we all get to join and then begin investing. Even if that's just our time to allow other people to know us and for us Mm -hmm. to get to know other people. That's so good. You know, I I picture it as like a three-tier
1: thing and I can't help it. My brain, this is part of, I guess, my leadership, it tries to take chaos, which working with people is and and put a structure to it. I just gotta be careful not to idolize the structure, right? Um, But I'm like, I always want people that are ahead of me. I want mentors. I want people that I respect who are like-minded and not that we have the same thoughts always or we do things the same way because I want diversity in that, but I mean, value-based like-mindedness. Um, I, you know, we have similar values, So I want people ahead of me, those mentors, but I also want people that are kind of doing the same thing I'm doing, mm-hmm. because then I can also, you know, look left and look right and say, I'm struggling with this. Is anybody else at this level? And you get a little bit of that validation for the struggle, but then you look up to your mentors and saying, how do I get through it? But then you get some collaboration side to side yes. of how to work through that as well. But then, and this is also helping me think of just even going to church. Don't be just a consumer. Don't sit and get, don't let everybody pour things into you. And, and that flow of knowledge and wisdom and love and support and encouragement stop at your level. You have to also look at people that are just a step or two behind you and say, how can I share what I've learned? Mm -hmm. And I think we're not very good at that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like self-consuming. I want to consume, pour into me, pour into me, And that's where, you know, you're talking about the heart of people. God's got to bend your heart, turn that heart to notice other people and say, now go pour into that person. doesn't Mm. mean you have to know it all. doesn't mean you have everything that they need,
0: but you have something. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Mm. And I think one of the things in collective good, when I, when I first started dreaming about what this community could be, which we're now, January will be coming on two years, our two year birthday, um, one of the things I started, yeah, uh, one of the things I started thinking about was how, in my, in my worst, in my worst days, if I was learning something to grow, I was personally investing in an area of education or development or leadership. Mm-hmm. I was, I was hoping, in the worst perspective, that I was going to learn that before or faster than someone else who was trying to do a similar thing. Because I I felt the need to get there first, to get to do it better. Like I was vying for this space against them. And so the person who was running with a similar call, with a similar passion area, I saw as competition to get where we were trying to go. Mm -hmm. And I realized that's not what I wanted. I wanted to intentionally foster a place in me, like for me, and that I could share with other people where we wanted to be generous with each other, where I want to share the thing that I'm learning with someone else because we, we're we all like recreating so many learning cycles. Mm-hmm. If I'm having to spend 15 hours to learn something and I can share it in five, you don't actually have to spend 15 hours to learn it. Like how much better could we be as a society? How much better could we be as leaders if we were generous and freely sharing with one another? And then that goes back to the the perspective we have on where our success is truly coming from. Do I trust the Lord? Is my hope in him or is it in my accomplishments? And am I really stewarding this, this call? Am I really stewarding my leadership for the good of other people? Or am I doing that only to the extent that it's also to my benefit? And where, where am I getting to correct that priority and bring that into alignment? Because sometimes what we get to share is a straight, like, Hey, I just learned this thing. Let me share this with you. Other times it can be as simple as encouragement. Hey, I'm learning this thing. You do this really well. I just learned how to do this. And I'm trying to be mindful of that. And I noticed how in that meeting earlier today, you did that phenomenally well, and I just want to—I just want to encourage you that that's noticed. Like mm-hmm. so much of the community that we long for is a place that's inviting and encouraging and supportive, and doesn't need to be fostered by a a competition against one another. There's space yeah. for all of us, and that is such a good description of
1: what happens in most workspaces. You know, it's it's competition, and I think if you peel back all of those onion layers. It is based on a scarcity mindset. There's only so much that can go around to for people to win or have success or get the promotion or anything like that. So that's scarcity mindset. There's only so much, but then peel it back even more. And it really is just the heart of selfishness. I am focused on me winning. I am looking only for myself to get ahead. And for me, that goes back into scarcity for me to get ahead. You got to go down. I mean, that Mm -hmm. is junior high made over for my status to increase. Yours must go down. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm and i love that you're pointing that out so many leaders on teams they look at each other as competition and what would happen i love what you said what would the world be like if we focused on giving on encouraging and supporting hey you gave a really great presentation i learned a lot from it you know that specific feedback and then also sharing don't hold all of the things in and just say hey i share everything openly now Even when you do that, I've been in situations where even whenever you're the open leader, sharing, supporting, encouraging, people will still look to you in competition. You know, well, what is she really trying to do? Is she really trying to get ahead? And, you know, and then they can develop that hardened heart um, and it can create tension in a culture because your heart may be on the right path, very loving, very open, very focused on the right thing. And theirs may not be. So do you have any advice for if you're on a team or in in a group or work with people where their heart just seems to be hardened and they are stuck in that scarcity mindset, that, that competition, how do you kind
0: of break down those walls? So I think one of the greatest assets we have as leaders is how we lead ourselves. And so some of that can simply be in the way that you as the leader model to the rest of your team. And it could even be peer levels. Um, Even I'm gonna say, sometimes we lead up in this area as well, where we might be all right with our own teams leading down to those that are on, on our teams or at a peer level, but we get to model up by how we navigate different things and modeling over a sustained period of time that this is not a power play. This is not, I'm going to like pull one over on you. I'm going to dupe you into thinking I'm really for you, but I'm really vying for this thing for myself. But the consistency of showing up in ways, making space to champion one another. Uh, one of the things I got to implement in a past job, oh gosh, several years ago now, uh, <laughs> was we um, we received in encouragement and commendations that employees could send in about other employees. So it didn't have to be in their same department, but you would send in commendations. And then we would send out company perks to the whole staff with a list of the commendations of staff members that were commended. And this is why everyone is getting this gift card. And this is why everyone is getting this little gift thing for your office set up. It's because so-and-so did amazing on this thing. And -and so-and-so knocked it out of the park with this conversation and -and so-and-so. And so there was an atmosphere to champion one another. And we all got a tangible benefit, which kind of reinforced that perspective of, we're all better together when we're championing each other and when we're celebrating each other's successes. Mm -hmm. I think some of that too, in trying to like, to break down that, that hardened perspective of an individual team member is stepping Mm -hmm. back to realize that any perspective we have in life is informed by something. So even when the rest of the team might be on board to approach something without a spirit of competition, if you have a holdout it's very likely that they're holding out because of hurt that they've gone through. Like they've experienced things that tell them, don't go that way, go this way instead. And so we can we can try and inform, and that's helpful, like talking through things, educating, but those bigger shifts happen through experience. And so making ways for that person to experience the benefit of where you're taking the team eventually will either wear them down or they're going to want to move to a different team because they're not going to be a fit for the culture that you're creating. Oh, such wisdom and all of that. And,
1: you know, I just want to speak into, I know some of you out there, you're struggling with leaders above you, right? Where Jen was talking about, you have to lead up and then you're struggling with the competition with your peers at that level. And, And that's really hard to navigate, but I just want to recap what you said is you continue modeling and, you know, on your own, you can easily pour yourself out, you know, like a sacrificial love offering of I'm doing it day after day, but if you don't tap into a higher power, you're going to wear yourself out. And so you've got to continue to pray through that, pray for those that you feel like have that hardened heart or the misaligned heart. But then also that's where community comes in, where you go and you can be filled with other people, again, with those similar values to help you through those situations where you can sustain the modeling Um, It's so, so important. And I want to hit on another one because I've just seen this so many times. People's behavior, there's always something behind it. (laughs) You've Mm -hmm. got to spend the time in digging to find out what is causing that behavior. It doesn't just happen. There's a reason. And usually there's a pain point, like what you said, um, hurt people hurt people. And they've experienced a pain and like, I never want to feel that again. So now I'm just going to be hardened. And I'm just going to always think that everybody has that same intention from that one person who burned me that one time. And there is a lot of relationship of getting down to that where people you've you've got to, you've got to just love on them and support them. And, and like you said, and I love how you kind of brought that to an end is they'll either finally understand your heart and give in, or they will move on because they know that they just don't align with that culture. So such a great wisdom there. Thank you. Yeah. In thinking about, you know, you started the collective good. You have that heart that's bent towards inclusivity of, hey, how can I bring other people in and how can we start connecting each other? But some of us maybe don't have that automatic eye. How can we start being intentional in how we notice, look for, and then invite in other people into, you know, what we're learning as a leader? How can we start and I guess our own communities with people that are maybe a step or two behind us um, professionally?
0: Mm, I love that question. I think, uh, okay, so one of the easy places to start is let yourself start small. Especially for those of us that are the go-getter, leader, I'm going to figure things out. Uh, we can tend to want to jump in with this massive change. I'm going to massively restructure the culture of my whole team. Like I, yes, dream there, pray toward that end, but give yourself the space to start small because you're growing in this area and other people are going to be growing in this area too. And so think about your personality and the people that you currently have in your life and what you would want that experience to be like. And so when I say experience, that's their experience of you and your experience of them and how both of those things can be enjoyable as you're navigating this new form of community. So, for example, if you um, if you hate public speaking, don't give yourself the expectation that now once a week you need to gather your whole team together and publicly commend somebody. Because you're going to hate doing that. You're going <laughs> to resist it. You're going to procrastinate it. And so it's like, okay, well, what what fits your personality and your skill sets and how can you make this fit into the things that you're already doing? So in the starting small, bring it alongside something that you're already working towards. So maybe there's a big project that you're working on that's going to take six months. What are six smaller steps along the way that you can celebrate? So instead of waiting to celebrate when the whole thing is done, how can you celebrate or encourage or strengthen each other along the way? Um, If you're a learner and you love listening to podcasts like this amazing podcast or audible books, like... Is there a resource that you could invite your team to come alongside and learn with you? So you're Mm -hmm. talking about the content as you're all learning together. Is there something that's already a key value for your organization that you can bring them into a conversation of brainstorming? Okay, What could this value that we all champion look like if we were able to explore this in building community together as an organization? So let it be small and let it grow with you. Thank
1: you for that permission. I think sometimes we just need to hear that it's okay.
0: It's okay mm-hmm. to start
1: small. You know, you don't have to go out and start that Facebook group or you don't, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you don't have to go out and start, or if you are a top leader in an organization, go out and find this consultant to bring in this huge program. Right. It starts with relationships
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, you know, small group of, I know you, you know me. And then it's like a fountain that will pour down. That fountain of influence will continue going. So thank you for that. Jen, you are so wise in leadership. You are so good at connecting people and staying others focused. So in everything that you've shared, what are some key takeaways for our listeners that we need to apply and grow in, in our own leadership when it comes to not going it alone, but finding community?
0: Well, you, you are so kind to me and I am grateful for the way you champion leadership and um, how you live and how you share in all the spaces, including this podcast. Uh, okay, so key takeaways, I would say, take take notice of yourself. When we're talking about this aspect of leadership and where you might discredit or disqualify yourself Mm -hmm. on where the idea of building community feels scary or difficult or unappealing to you, kind of take stock of where you are in all of this and then look for simple steps that you could apply beginning where you currently are and make out a plan. Uh, it doesn't have to be elaborate, but a simple plan for what you can take action on toward the goal of where you want to go personally and with those that you lead. That's so good.
1: Thank you so much for, for that wisdom. And um, now I want to ask you the opposite. You know, you've given us such great advice to think about, but what is one poor decision that we should avoid? Like leaders
0: don't do this. <laughs> I think I think as we're learning as leaders we can we can know where we're trying to go and we can expect our people to get there before us. And so that unfortunately comes around in a um, do as I say, not as I do mentality. And we might not even say that out loud, but it's, hey, I've cast this vision. And so I'm, I'm asking all of you to operate this way without recognition that I'm still learning to operate this way. And so in wanting to build community, let's make space for all of us to grow together, offering compassion to yourself, offering compassion to your people um, and prioritizing people because so often we can we can miss even in the goal of building community or wanting to build people, we can miss the humanity in it. And the humanity is messy, but it's also really beautiful. Yes. I love that so much. I feel like one of the
1: seven deadly sins of leadership, which I just crowned that. I don't know if there's actually a list of seven, but I would say do as I say, not as I do would be one of those. And that's in yes. parenting, that's in leadership, it's in anything. And it, and you've just given us the way to resist that is one, start with humility of recognizing, hey, we all want to do this. This is our vision way out here. It's It's like this other thing that we're looking at. And we all are working towards it. I'm not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. But together, we're going to continue marching that way. And that's a way to avoid that. Because if you don't recognize your own, um, you know, faulty self and all of that, you can easily build that culture of, man, he just talks about this vision, but he don't do what he says, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. Thank you. I've never heard that one before, but man, it's great. Um. I just thank you so much for your time. Where can our listeners go to learn more about you, learn more about Collective Good or just any of your work? Yes.
0: So my website is thegenweaver.com. And I say that's not because I'm fancy. I just have a real common name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm on all social media platforms as the Jen Weaver. And then Collective Good, that website is collectivegood.work, which is Um, Really founded on this idea of collectively, we are all made better for for one another. We're all participating in the kingdom when we do the good work that God has set out for us in advance. Um, So you can find Collective Good on the website collectivegood.work. And then Instagram, we're also collectivegood.work. And then my podcast is Good God Talks. And those are all about, those episodes are all about coming alongside and having these uncommon conversations with God as we go about our day. So there are short episodes on your drive to work, on a coffee break, as you're cleaning up the kitchen at the end of the day to have that time to connect with God, because he truly is our source and our rock.
1: Man, so good. Thank you so much. And guys, again, as always, all of those links will be in the show notes as well. Jen, thank you so much for being here. It was fabulous. It was great. Thanks again for having me. All right. Guys, until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. God bless. Remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them.